0: I'm Ben Klunt. And I'm Stephen Brown. In 2019, we started this podcast as an accountability tool for our health and our business goals.
1: Through our discussions, interviews, and sharing of our successes and difficulties, we've learned we have a passion for leadership.
0: In 2020, we're striving to grow our own leadership abilities by focusing on learning from great leaders in business and life and continue to share our successes and struggles
1: on this journey. We'll continue to have raw and candid conversations while sharing our own insights and experiences with our goal being to grow as leaders and as people.
0: You're, You're listening, listening to Ordinary to Extraordinary. To Ordinary. everybody. Thank you for tuning in to this day's podcast, Ordinary to Extraordinary. Ben Clune here with my Scottish friend who's taken to wearing only hats because his
1: hair looks like a white man fro, Stephen Brown. <laughs> All of that is true. It's about week 7,048 of quarantine. Don't even know how many weeks it's been now. Welcome to the month of April. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so we're just going to check in with you guys a little bit today. We figured we'd do a pulse and then we wanted to talk a little bit about disruption, discipline, self control, some stuff. It's not going to be preachy, maybe a little bit to some of you because you're not interested in being better, but you know, um,
0: <laughs> I have. Because you're have, not interested in being better? Because you like
1: mediocrity. So, you know what? Go ahead, be mediocre, if, you know, at best. I've told you before, Ben, I think a lot of people are happy to settle for mediocrity. And just for the record today, I'm full of piss, vinegar, sunshine, rainbows, butterflies, all of the above. I'm going to have nice things to say and (laughs) terrible things to say, and I don't give a fuck anymore. I'm just going to put it out there. Let
0: me say this, Stephen, though. Let me say this. There would not be above average people if there weren't average people. And so if you're average and you're
1: mediocre and you're happy with that, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it too. doesn't mean I have to accept it. Your face doesn't say. No, you're right. It's not yours to accept or not accept. Without darkness, darkness, light loses its meaning, right? Or loses its purpose. Yep. So I'm all about that. I, I completely understand that. That's why I'm saying some people are going to resonate with some of the shit I've got to say, and some people won't. I'm not aiming it at those people. So, Warren Greshis talks about it in the best damn sales book ever, which is right here, by the way. Look, boom. Yeah, I see. see. In every sales organization, there are top 10%, next 80%, and the bottom 10%. And what he says is the 80% want to be like the 10%. They just don't know how or they haven't applied themselves. And the bottom 10%, you should just jettison them because they're never going to be in the middle group, let alone the top group. Right, so the fact that people are already tuning in and listening to us, I think the majority are probably thinking, "Hey, I'd like to be a in that top or group. They're in that middle group or the top group, one of the yeah. two, right? So they they want to. Well, be the like that's group. what we're, you're
0: you're just copying him now because he says that even in his audio book, he's like, "This book isn't for those people in the bottom yeah. half. It's maybe for those people who are in the middle working to be in the top, but it's for the top producers already."
1: Call it copying, call it emulating. But I truly believe it. I genuinely do. Call it it admiration. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit moving on. But, Ben, tell me what's going on.
0: No, you're going to start off because yours is cooler.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Steven, why don't you tell me about your stay home, stay healthy order, buddy? So, I had an opportunity And I'm not ashamed of this. I know I've already had people trying to shame me, like people on my Facebook post. Did they really? Oh, wow. Things like, is that really essential travel? Do you know what I had to say to them? And Ben can see this, but you guys can't. (laughs) (laughs) So the opportunity that I had, I was, uh, one of my friends bought a catamaran, an ocean-going catamaran. It's been around the world multiple times from previous owners. A yacht. Um, say, well, call it a yacht, call it a catamaran, whatever you want. Sixty foot. Uh, basically, it has. It could probably sleep eight to ten people comfortably. There's three berths in it that you have. Sixty. Six foot. Yeah, it's a big boat. Holy crap! That's bigger um, than I thought. So that's one of the. That's one of the reasons that we had the issue. So he bought it in the Bahamas, registered it in Coose Bay, Oregon, and then sailed it to Florida. So it was in the Florida Keys in a place called Key Largo. There's only certain boatyards that can...
0: Never brought it to Oregon, though, just never so we're clear. To
1: Oregon yet, but it is, it has yeah, been... Registered.
0: Just registered in Oregon.
1: For tactical reasons, Oregon has no sales tax, right?
0: So... And it's technically a secondary residence, so you can register it wherever.
1: Long story, it's not really going to be a long story short, but we're going to keep telling it. He sailed it to Key Largo. And the reason he went to Key Largo is with a vessel that size as a catamaran, to get it out the water to do some of the essential work, there's only a certain amount of boat yards that can cater to that, right?
0: So it was an essential trip, essential work, essential trip, essential beer.
1: Well, that the part of it was that it was in Key Largo, right? You had to get it in the water and away from Florida mainland or Key Largo, which is an island. Otherwise, he would have had to have paid sales tax in Florida, even though it's not registered in Florida because it spent a certain amount of time on Florida. Does that make sense? Ah, uh, yep, so yep. If you wanted to, Tom I'm Tom. Going to use ballpark figures, but if you do sales tax on a $200,000 piece of kit, obviously it's a substantial amount. So my friend called me and he's a good friend. He's actually going to be on our podcast at some time because he's a 28 years military retired lieutenant colonel uh want to get his take on leadership, which is obviously very different from civilian leadership, right? He reached out to me in a bind. Had the had two people that help him are his dad, who's elderly, and a guy called Dave, who built the boat. Those two are too old to travel. There was also regulations on getting into Key, Key Largo. So Monroe County, which is all of the keys, was on full quarantine. The road from the mainland, so you can't fly into Miami and fly down, that road is shut off completely unless you're a resident coming back to the Keys. We flew in to Miami then from Miami to Key West. When we landed, we got given, we had to do a screening, taking our temperature, swabbing us. So I basically got tested for COVID and I'm not got it. Uh, it was, it, it wasn't, um, it wasn't an antibody test. It was an actual test, but basically we were given a quarantine order where you had to self quarantine for 14 days for us. Self quarantine was getting the hell off the Island. Right onto the boat so landed put the boat in the water basically went offshore by about half mile there's an island there and we we anchored for about a day and a half and did a bunch of essential maintenance on the boat uh getting it ready to go and then we sailed from there to Miami anchored there for a day and a half and made some trips in and out to go to marine stores and things like that and then I flew home and then someone else flew in to help him get it to North Carolina the boat hasn't been on mainland, so he doesn't have to pay tax in Florida, and then he's going to dump it in North Car- South Carolina. Sorry. So
0: I went. On so let's a- just get something straight here, though. You went five days with a beer in your hand, no shoes on, and a shirt in the sunshine, while the rest of us were stuck inside our houses. Just, just so we're clear.
1: I had shoes on for maybe twenty minutes the entire trip, and I. Had okay.
0: A- yeah. Go, go, go. Screw yourself.
1: For mm-hmm. maybe forty minutes the entire trip.
0: Yeah, I don't like the, you. the ocean. I sent yeah,
1: you pictures you're... and videos. Obviously, it was a uh, it was a hell of a trip. Yeah,
0: you did. You did.
1: But it was a lot yeah. of hard work Send as you well. pictures of stingrays and swimming, and yeah, it was tough. Yeah, it was a lot of hard work as well. I mean, sailing isn't easy. You're in the open ocean. Uh, there's lots of maintenance. Uh, at one point, I sent Brian up sixty feet in the air on his main main mast to replace some stuff on top of that. So we were using like ropes, and I mean. His life, you
0: sent him up on his boat?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, his life was in my hands. I was at the bottom controlling all of this with the winches and stuff. 60 feet up in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> yeah. Just jump far if you got to go. Jump way out past the pond, man. Well, He would still, that, I mean, from 60 feet, that's still a hell of a drop. And he's I've done up.
0: one that's 51 feet. That tickled.
1: Yeah, so long story short, it was a way to use quarantine to do something cool, but also help my friend out. And I did it and I'm back, and I'm healthy, and I'm safe, and I know some people are going to think I'm a moron, Um, and that's okay. I'm fine with that. It was a good time.
0: Well, you know what?
1: You stand out. Yeah. I mean, a lot of this writing is just about standing out and being
0: different, so that's also, that same type of personality is what benefits you in business, is you think about things differently, you do things differently, you stand out. You get noticed, you get business.
1: So the other awesome thing that's been going on in my world for the last six weeks, and I might have mentioned this a little bit, is I've been going through this interview process within my company uh, to be on our enterprise team. So basically selling the clients like Caesars Palace, 7-Eleven, Taco Bell, Calvin Klein, Adidas. That's just some of the companies that we work with on an enterprise level. Lots of interviews by video, and then I had to respond to an RFP, a request for proposal for a m- a a huge chain, so fictitious chain, but I had to do all the work and then give an hour long presentation to what was essentially two executives from a massive firm. Got thrown some curveballs in questions, handled them well. And then on Wednesday this week, got word that I had been selected and get to kick that off next Wednesday on a call. And then they sent me Mm -hmm. some training from Miller Hyman. I don't know if you looked that up yet and I told you about it. But it's uh, no, still haven't. Yeah. It's like the gold standard in sales training worldwide. So they pay for me to do that, learn a different playbook and basically sell into that Do You go
0: somewhere for that or is it all online?
1: It, you normally travel for it. I'm not quite sure how that's gonna work here in the COVID nineteen world. But as things start to open yeah. up, see, not sure. I'm thinking maybe I'll audit some of it with you. Yeah, I'd be Could happy be to be interesting. Get, yeah, I, I know my uh, my boss is particularly excited for me to bring some of that back to our team because I continue to do what I do now. Oh, I bet. But what happens is when, when people in my current position find opportunities, they're not really equipped to sell into that space, the enterprise space, because it's, it's a longer sales cycle, implementation and deployment. Well, explain,
0: explain the, inter- in the enterprise space because it's obviously kind of a vague.
1: We define Sorry. it based on volume. So right now, up to $20 million a year, is in, in in volume is considered a small business to us, right? Twenty million mm-hmm. to one hundred and twenty million a year in volume, and and that's revenue, total revenue, not like profit. We consider that what we call mid market enterprise, and then one hundred and twenty million and up, or one hundred and fifty million and up, sorry, we consider that enterprise major accounts, and there's a whole different team that deals with that. So the stepping stones for me are mid market, and then potentially into that that major account so that would be major accounts would be like Ticketmaster who I identified a few years ago and introduced some people to and obviously you know the the pathway to that so yeah there's there's just stepping stones there but that's that's how we break it down but enterprise level is major corporations with many many locations Um, corporate locations not like franchises sometimes there's franchises involved but essentially think Taco Bell doesn't franchise necessarily. They're they're all company-owned brick and mortar. Corporate-owned. Yeah. yeah. So that's enterprise level, where you know mm. they're not just looking for your mom and pop. We've got a credit card terminal and we need statements once a month. They've got to have reporting across multiple different locations. They've got to have deployment and implementation of hardware, software, support, all of that stuff, just at a different level, right? So. Different playbook, different way to approach those sales. Obviously, you're not cold calling the way I have in the past or even networking the way I have in the past. There'll still be an element in networking. But for instance, um, Red Lion, we just had Harry Sladich on. That would be an enterprise-level account for us. So it might be a good one for me. Yeah. Him.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Maybe you could do a little networking, huh?
1: This podcast yeah. could work out pretty well for you from that standpoint, buddy. Maybe. And, you know, for me, I always go, I always set out to help people. So – This is just an additional way to help people just at a a bigger scale. Um, Might involve a little more travel for meetings and such. Might mean that I'm doing more teleconferencing and such like this with with people Mm -hmm. over the country. But essentially people that are in that RM role that I've been doing for the last five years, when they encounter these kinds of opportunities, because they're still able to make connections there, they'll kick that over the fence to me. And we split it half and half. I do the majority of the work. They just get half of the, they get basically a finder's fee, which is half of the credit for it. And I do the work and we take our team in the mid market level and implement. Them. Who gets the residuals? Both of us. It's 50%. Oh, you go through.
0: But to Sweet. put it okay. into
1: perspective, a lot of these enterprise level deals are two or three years worth of production for a normal RM. So, uh uh-huh. A few of those deals a year are obviously fairly lucrative. So tell me, how are you doing without the gym? I'm doing all right. I trained this morning. I've definitely Did you get your gear weight. for home gym? What's that? You got all your gear for your home gym? Well, I borrowed from Greg here. I'll show you. It's all down here. You see all my weights and jump ropes. Oh, yeah, all over the corner. Yeah, yep. a little rolling thing too. Yep, I got it all. So this morning I did shoulders and legs, lots of jump rope, lots of squats, and uh, lunges, I know you love those things. What what? Uh, and then shoulders, just lifting shoulders. And I've got bands and all that stuff. It's not the same. I, I don't like it as much. Uh, but I find that I'm probably more productive at home workouts because you're focused. I'm not gibbering to people or um, <laughs> that's the stuff I miss from the gym. I actually miss that social aspect. You know, the social component. Yeah. Chatting for thirty seconds in between sets. And, so yeah. I'm doing all right with it. I hate not being able to go to the gym, um, but there you go. Got to
0: adapt. I mean, yeah, just a temporary time. I keep on having to kind of remind myself of that too. You know, it's like, this is a temporary thing. Like our lives will not and cannot forever be like this. I mean, so we will go back to some semblance of normal and we yeah. will, you know, get a lot of those things back in our life that we've had before that we enjoy. So,
1: well, Just keep on going. That, I'll say this. A lot of people keep talking about us finding this new normal. And to your point, we're not going to have a new normal per se. We're going to have a new temporary normal, but then eventually things will get back to where the where they need to be, right? Um, to some degree,
0: there's certain things that'll change. I mean, even the study I was looking at talked about it was a query of uh it was investment clients, but it said, How many people, how do you want to act with an advisor going forward, basically? And it was You know, 50% face-to-face, 42% via Zoom, and then the rest, you know, to telephone. So I thought that was interesting. That I was like, wow, that's a lot more Zoom-type, you know, meetings than I expected for face-to-face. But but I bet you we do see more people working from home, more casual attire, and more uh, teleconferencing.
1: I don't disagree with it per se, but I will offer an alternative perspective to that, right? So lots of things are situational, Ben. And uh, right now, people are scared. There's been a lot of fear mongering. And I'm not saying that it's not legitimate. I think some of what we've heard, or media likes to perpetuate this cycle of doom. Not just with COVID, but in general. But I think currently, the situation dictates that that's what people want. I think if people think about it, I'm not going to trust anybody with hundreds of thousands of dollars or the capability to make me hundreds of thousands of dollars if I haven't sat down with them, shaking their hand and looked them in the eye face to face. That's a whole different prospect from sitting on a Zoom meeting. So there's there's number one. Number two, I am, and I think most people are, physical creatures. Whether we want to say we're extroverts or not, I thought I was introverted somewhat. I thought I hated most humans. I miss hugging people. I miss shaking people's hands. I miss fist bumping. I miss high fives, smiles, all of that stuff. And I don't think from a mental health standpoint, we can prolong what we're doing now rather than the, the, the in-between. You and I got together for lunch the other day. We maintained our distance. We got lunch. We were outside the whole time, and we hung out, right? But we, we did it safely, so to speak. That's not mm-hmm. wrong. You and I will sit down at some point three feet from each other face-to-face with a beer here and a dinner here and chat. So, yes... Yeah. Situationally people are saying that in six months time, if you gave them the same thing, they would tell you, I don't want this anymore. So you got to, you got to consider the situation when people are asked the questions, right?
0: No, you always do. But I think some of those people that have been apprehensive to embracing technology that have been forced to embrace technology will now be like, well, now that I use it, and like, yeah, we can just do a zoom call instead of me driving downtown to meet with you. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think that's pretty realistic that that will well that's good to be a change, you know, a greater adoption. Yeah, I didn't say it was going to be a negative thing. I yeah. mean wider adoption of some of these things are going to be positive, but
1: I had this conversation with somebody from a bank, right? So I asked why the hell are banks still open? When you can do drive through and you can do ninety percent of the transition to do with an app or with an ATM, right? The answer I got disgusted me because we're catering, and, and I'm not anti old people, but we're catering to old people who have no will to learn how to use an ATM, which incidentally have been around since the 80s or earlier, right? So you don't you don't want to use mm-hmm. an ATM. That's a will problem, that's not a skill problem. It's not that you can't learn how to use this, it's that you've been unwilling for 30 years to learn a new technology and adapt and adopt, right? So if you're 80 years old now, When you were 50 years old, you made a decision that you were going to continue to go into the bank branch. When was the last time you went into a bank branch, Ben? Two weeks ago. When was it before that?
0: Probably a month before.
1: So you've obviously, you do most of your stuff electronically now, right? But they they basically were catering and I'm like, look, you can't tell me that you're being COVID safe because you're still open specifically for old people. And old people are coming in with a will problem because they're unwilling to learn technology, the way I look at it is, oh, Darwinism God. isn't about the strongest surviving. Darwinism's about the, the the species that adapts. And quite frankly, if you're not willing to adapt and use technology, get the hell out of the way. You don't deserve to bank. Was this was this the piss part you were talking about that you're was full of piss, piss and vinegar? Part. Was this the full of piss and vinegar? Yeah. <laughs> there's so much. I was like, was where are you mean, going with this, buddy? Where are where you going with this right here? So much that's going on just now that people are unwilling to adapt right? It's like, yeah, you're supposed to stay home more. Adapt. Figure out a way to be productive while you're at home. You're supposed to only go out when you're supposed to go out or when it's essential to go out. Part of that is exercise. So you can still go out and exercise. Don't tell me that you have to stay at home. You don't. You're supposed to stay at home when you're supposed to stay at home and you're supposed to go out when you're supposed to go out. And you're supposed to adapt temporarily. So that's where I'm going. I'm just full of like I said, full of piss and vinegar for a lot of things.
0: No rhyme or reason. Just, yeah. just <laughs> Stephen's got his shotgun out, shotgun approach. Just shooting holes in the ceiling up here.
1: Well, so. I, where oh. going, I'll tell you exactly where I'm going with this. Where I'm going with this is I'm sick and tired of the same conversations over and over again. People bitching about governors, people pitching about what we're in, people complaining that they can't do this and can't do that. And really all they have to do is adapt and disrupt. Okay, I am far from a. Do you fast. realize you're
0: bitching about people bitching.
1: Yeah, I am a, I'm far. <laughs> I'm not even bitching about it. I'm just making the statement. I do not like Jay Inslee. I think the guy is probably one of the. There we
0: go. Oh, the
1: dumbest people with the most. We're not a political experience. podcast. This isn't political either. So this guy has an exquisite grasp of vocabulary, right? but he is not a smart man. The teams that are giving him this information to stand there and talk, he never answers anything with substance. He's really not someone that I would want to be governing me. He is, I get on with it, right? I can't control it. I control the controllables. That being said, I'm sick and tired of being on the phone with people in the first 10 minutes of every conversation uh, is bitching about him. It's like, you can't control it. Get the hell on with it.
0: So here you, so here you are
1: bitching about it. <laughs> not bitching, I'm making a statement. I'm accepting well, that. I what's the difference between what those people are doing and what you're doing? I'm just putting it out there. I can't. The difference is that they're adding What's the difference what between what you're today? doing and they're doing? If you let me talk and stop interrupting like a bad boy, I'll tell you. <laughs> well, it's hard when you've talked the last 90% of the time. The difference is I've accepted it. So I'm talking about it to, to make a point and accept it. They're talking about it despite not accepting that they can't change it. There's the difference. Anyway, before we get on to disruption and adapting and all that stuff, let's talk about what you've been up to. Uh, well, I'm starting to go back in the office. I am
0: technically essential. I could have gone in every day, but I didn't. I was trying to be a good boy for at least four weeks and stay home. So I worked from home for four weeks. So Tuesday, Thursdays, I'm getting back into the office. and like I say, it feels really good to get back in the office, like, Get dressed, take showers, (laughs) have get back into the routine of getting to go downtown Mm -hmm. and be in my own office. So, been starting to do that just over the last week or two and going to continue to do that on Tuesdays, Thursdays going forward. Uh, Again, it's a little more casual, right? I mean, everybody's kind of casual right now. So, it's not necessarily full time, but uh, getting back into the swing of that. Staying home, it's been nice to, I mean, I get to see my family more, which is cool. I get to see my son more, go and have lunch during the day with them which has been nice go for sometimes a lunch walk even so there are certain good things that have come out of this right a little family time and catching up on chores around the house uh i've been flow in terms of my motivation right i think it's easy to get lazy when you're home and i was talking with a couple of gents who you know uh and i shared with you it's like I, i don't necessarily feel fulfilled right now though it's hard to feel terribly motivated and fulfilled when it's, you know, I get up, I get my coffee, I go downstairs, I work for, you know, however many hours it is that I can find work to do. But I mean, yours to some degree really, but then mine too is, uh, I mean, we're in outbound sales, right? And it's hard when a lot of the time it's face to face, it's networking, it's referral based. Those referrals come from others' interactions with people and interactions have been cut down pretty significantly. So a lot of my business, a lot of the time, right, is feeding into centers of influence who, and, and, you know, speaking into their interactions with their clients that that get referred into me. So Mm -hmm. that has certainly slowed down a little bit. And I've had to learn, well, I'm learning. I said, I won't say I've learned, uh, you got to do business a little differently at this time too. So that'll be the topic we talk about today, disruption, right? But, uh, also, been uh, going to the lake on the weekends, which is nice just to kind of mix things up. You uh, get to see, you know, the grandparents. I know that's not necessarily part of the rule always, but uh, <laughs> seeing the grandparents. When we have a two-year-old, I mean, all things go out the window, too. Like, you're like, okay, I'm just going to survive. How about that? Just been kind of spending time with family, going on walks, very slow, much a slow pace of life, catching up on chores around the house. I know Steven said I should bring this up, and I am unsure about it, but I did buy another classic car. Got a 1959 Olds uh, Delta 88 convertible, so just a freaking boat of a car. Think of the 1970s Cadillacs, and it looks like that. But super cool old car. Needed something with a back seat for Sunday cruising. Needing is a probably the wrong term. Wanted <laughs> something with a back seat for for Sunday cruising because uh, I think you got most of you know I got a little another kiddo on the way due in July so wife's in the third trimester and uh so she's been home dental offices are closed for the time being so wondering when, when they were going to go back to work sounds like mid-may now so mm-hmm. just kind of trying to find you know finally finding a routine I think for a long time I was really tired and I have a flow with this still of feeling motivated and then feeling you know kind of bummed bummed and very unmotivated some days And then on those days when I'm kind of bummed and unmotivated, I'll go, I'll hit my quarantine to-do list that I've talked about, right? And just find a couple of chores to go and do. Because I feel like sometimes if I can just get into doing some action and accomplish something, that it just helps with my overall psyche as well. So it's like I'll go, you know, fix the gutter that's clogged type thing. Or I'll go and I'll wash a car or I'll spray Roundup, you know, type thing, pull weeds, whatever it is, just go do something. To feel like you've actually accomplished something, because I think sometimes it's hard. Even if you do, I mean, you can do four hours of prospecting and nobody answers the phone. It's like holy moly, I feel like I've done nothing, and you know, and you just feel tired from that and defeated to some degree. And so it's like you just, and then it, it just kind of perpetuates. Well maybe no one's answer the phone. Maybe no one's going to call me back. This is going to be terrible. Blah, 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 blah. And then it's like, okay, stop. Get out of your own head. Go do something constructive, even if it's not work. Take power, be gone, you know, from it. And so I've had to to learn to kind of do that and not just not just start going spiraling, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Uh,
0: one thing I do miss is, and we talk about this, and I shared it on a call that we were on a few weeks ago. We were on a call with a, a fund family, so somebody who manages money for us, and uh, they work with millions of advisors, and they were interviewing some of the more uh, elite firms that have done a really good job of bringing a new business the last few years. And they asked kind of, you know, what's the secret sauce? And I was sharing with them that I think one of the secret components, the secret sauce, and we might not all realize how much this is, plays into our lives. But for me it did is uh, when you're going through tough times, if you're a lone individual, it's really hard. If you have people to lean on to help pick you up out of the hard down times, it's going to be better for all involved. Right? So these advisors that have, that are it yourself or advisors, they're one man. Uh, mm-hmm. They're still human. They still have uh, emotions. They're still going to struggle with these types of things. And they might make bad trade decisions. They might make bad decisions on, the, on behalf of their clients because they have no one to talk them off the ledge. Right? It's like, yeah. cause they're still human. They're going to make mistakes. They're still, well, What's nice in a team structure is I've got somebody like, "Ah, I'm freaking out right now, man. Like I can call Jake or Tim or Dave or somebody else in the firm to chat through an idea or something. They're like, Ben, that's a dumb idea or that's actually a really good idea, but I'm going to implement that with my clients too. Right. So having the team, having peers I've noticed has become, you just realize how valuable that is, that social interaction for your own psyche even too. So I'm really looking forward to having teams back in there and uh, have really valued our, our, Weekly meetings that we have had as a team, but so okay. that's kind of what's new with me. Struggling a little bit, but you know, working through it. Excited to get back into the routine of working with folks and bringing on new business uh, and seeing the fruits of some of our labor we've been doing right now. That's been trying to do something a little different.
1: Yeah, so I want to have a quick uh, disclaimer and then ask you a question. So. Any of Ben's answers to what I'm about to ask are not to be construed as advice on the stock market or what you should or shouldn't do. (laughs) But how in the hell have we had massive dip right at the start of this, right? So uh, Dow Jones dropped like 10,000 points, right? Near mid-March. Boom. Toilet. Shit was awful. For the last six weeks or so, Now we've had a couple of negative weeks, but even today, I mean, if you look at it today, one- one and a quarter percent up on the Dow Jones, S&P's up 1.15. It's probably going to be a positive week. Again, Mm -hmm. last week was a positive week despite some peaks and troughs. What the hell is going on? How is is the stock market so detached from reality when we just hit 15% unemployment, which is a record? So I think
0: what happened here, and I was actually chatting with Landon and a buddy from Gonzaga that we know Mm -hmm. about this this morning. They're like, what the heck? Unemployment numbers come out and they're like, the worst, the worst than they were in the depression and the market goes up. And I think the reality here is what people need to understand is, so the market trades ahead of news. It trades in anticipation of things, right? So for example, if the market thinks that we're gonna come out and unemployment is gonna be 16 to 20%, which is absolutely horrific, right? If it's anticipating, it's pricing in a 16 to 20% unemployment rate, but it comes out that it's 14.7% the, 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 and what, it, what they were trying to price in becomes fact, that's positive news, so the market goes up, right? Mm-hmm. So that's hard because headlines say, oh my gosh, unemployment is at all-time highs, but on the back of what they're not telling you, but hey, the good news is the market priced in the 16 to 20% total unemployment rate, when now in reality, we are at 14.7%. So that's positive news, right? But like it was not as bad as the market had priced in, market goes up. Mm-hmm. So that's just kind of a temporary thing. As far as, you know, we have 15% almost unemployment, and why is the market going up? I mean, it's for that very reason that I just mentioned. But also, it's very, uh, right, it it's trades within boundaries, the market does to some degree too. So we hit bottom when we were down about 32% in the S&P. We bounced back up. And it's very much, I can't remember the gentleman's name. I want to say Pavlov, but it's not because that's Pavlov's theory, but it's something like that where it's a very much a W-shaped thing. And this is pretty historical. And you're seeing this even in some of the foreign markets right now, where they've hit bottom, you have bear market bounce back. You don't necessarily bounce back to a hundred percent to where we were, but you see a bear market bounce back to where you recover to some degree. And then you actually see it uh, retest lows. So, Historically, this actually isn't that far off of what the market has done when we've hit a bear market or even a recession. So, I mean, we could certainly see another retest of the lows. Uh, But we've also not had, and I've mentioned this before, we've also not had stimulus like this. I mean, there has never been a time where the government has come out and injected into the economy trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars to help stimulate the economy. So how that affects people uh how that affects you know companies and markets? I don't know
1: it definitely seems somewhat detached from reality. you know not not that that's a bad thing. I'm glad that people that are you know people that sold off stocks as it started to drop and then are probably buying back in now are gonna see that upward trend continue and I said for a minute this wasn't I don't think this is gonna be this isn't gonna be a decline and a recession like any recession we've ever seen before. It is that temporary, right? Because we have 15% of the population unemployed. Before this happened, we were, what, 3 or 4% unemployed, which was super-reported mm-hmm. numbers in the opposite direction. So essentially, you've got that 8 or 9% swing, and that 8 or 9% might be in a position right now where some of them are earning more money unemployed than they were employed with a stimulus and everything. So they're still spending. They're still, you know, Amazon and such ordering out, eating at home, but eating from restaurants. So things are still being stimulated, so to speak. I think where we're going to see yeah. it fall off is when people go back and they're earning less because eventually the stimulus stops and people are going to have to go back to work, right? So you've got eight or nine yeah, percent of
0: off people
1: that are going to be employed again because it's just had that press pause. And it's not all, it's not like one day, it's not like July 1st, 8% of the population is back to work, but you're going to see that steady well, again.
0: What I was going to say, Stephen, and, and you kind of might have just alluded to it, hit it there, is that unemployment number includes a lot of the people that in Washington unemployment we would call standby,
1: mm-hmm. which
0: means that they're, their intent of, of their employers is to have them come back into gainful employment, full time yeah, employment, the, the, the
1: furlough, the, when they yeah, are yeah,
0: legally yeah. ready to do so. Yeah, yeah, they're not laid off. It's not like it's so that unemployment number. I mean, you're going to see it drop pretty significantly once we open up the economy again and people are able to go back to full time employment. Yeah. To what degree? I don't know. Again, that's just my opinion. But yeah, it's an it, interesting market.
1: It's an interesting. If you want to use the word recession slash depression, it's interesting because it's so fleeting, right? It's not going to be like the eighties or nineteen twenty. Was it nineteen twenty? The, the stock market, the the, the big crash.
0: Kind of 2030s, Yeah. So. The depression thirties. Yeah.
1: yeah, it's not going to be like that. It's not going to be where you've got this five to ten year period of just shit. It's going to be quick, boom, fleeting, back to normal. And again- oh, maybe. Recovery could take to a to while. This. You never know. I've alluded to this, and this will lead well into the disruption thing and the preparation thing. Some businesses need to go out of business. That's not me being callous or cold-hearted, but there are a lot of businesses that are operating hand-to-mouth, and we're not talking about new businesses in the first six to 12 months of operating. I'm talking about businesses that have been established for a long time. And they're essentially a job for the owners and they weren't prepared to be able to eat a few months of no revenue if you're not operating your business to where you have some reserve set aside in order to operate on a downturn you shouldn't be in business right and eventually you have to cut your losses i do not wish any business to go out of business i don't wish anybody to be unemployed what i do wish is that businesses are operated appropriately and quite frankly, some businesses that won't reopen after this probably need to do that and reevaluate and be an employee versus a business owner. Again, sounds callous, sounds cold. I
0: don't care. It's the truth. No, I agree. It's tough love, but it's the reality, right? There's a lot of people who uh, don't run a business. They run a practice, right? And I think there's a, there's a difference between uh, running a practice and running a business. The business doesn't demand that you be there full time. You know, you manage a business if you're working day-to-day in the nitty-gritty of the, pra- you know, of the quote-unquote air quotes business, that's a practice, right? Mm-hmm. you practice being a craft.
1: Um, be, be but a yeah, comment. let's get into disruption. Yeah. Yeah, so do you want to frame this? Do you want me to frame this? How do you want to go about this?
0: It was your idea, so I'll let you frame it. But All right. I've got plenty to speak into it.
1: So the we, we did an entire podcast on disruption. It was one of the very first ones that we recorded in the first couple months, and we kind of – Mm-hmm. Kept it in our back pockets until late last year, when we had a break. We weren't able to record for a couple of weeks. I think you were away on vacation and such, and I had some things. So we had some that were basically in our hopper, if you like. So we released it, and upon listening to it, there were some really great points in it, but it was also not one of our better podcasts because it was so early on and it wasn't structured. And but what we
0: audio is probably off.
1: Well, what we talked about more than anything was the admiration we have for disruptors such as Uber, Amazon, uh, Netflix, you know, to name a few. I watched Dave Ramsey has opened up his uh, 2017 Entree Leadership Summit. And he's doing basically once a week, he's doing a one of the talks from it. And the one that I watched just this morning actually was on disruption. And there was some really cool info in it along the same lines that we talked about but obviously it was practiced and rehearsed on his part he actually used props we had like an old ice box and he talked about how ice box it's basically ice became ice boxes became refrigerators became um you know people having ice in their freezers and stuff like that and how that's all progressed. Essentially, if we're not looking at ways to disrupt what we do just now, and I'm talking about you and me and every other freaking person that is in any way, shape or form in sales, entrepreneurialism and business, if you're not looking at ways to disrupt things on the off chance that this happens again, or even that you're prepared for any kind of catastrophe again, you really need to be taking a look at that. And this is the part, when I was talking about being full of piss and vinegar and some people disregarding this, um, (laughs) this is what I was talking about. Because not everybody's gonna take this on board. Not everybody's interested in changing the status quo. But people like you and I, Ben, we can't sit at home and we can't allow this to stop our income because we're 100% commission-based. We would be broke if we Mm -hmm. did that. You've changed how you do things. You alluded to it earlier that you guys are taking statistics and going, okay, people are more open to Zoom meetings. Let's get more Zoom meetings on the calendar moving forward until such time as people are comfortable talking to us. I've been talking about online ordering. I posted a video on my LinkedIn this morning. I don't know if you saw it. I haven't. We've been able to help so many people that were resistant to online ordering applications, both in the restaurant space, the retail space, and everything in between. I've got architects, lawyers, doctors, dentists, everybody, they're seeing their AR grow and grow and grow because they've done all these services for people and people aren't sending checks in and they're not showing up and handing them a credit card. So what we're able to do is give them something where they can email an invoice and people pay it online, right? Sounds simple. People weren't equipped to do that. Some people were. Lots for it. Lots wanted to do things the old-fashioned way. Many people didn't see the value. So there's lots of ways for us to disrupt. And I think the biggest holdback to us when it comes to disruption is hubris. And I talked to you about this this morning and I'm just getting hubris is excessive pride or self-confidence. If you look up the dictionary definition, but it's a a Greek word and it's basically arrogance or pride. And I think that holds a lot of people back and it's that we've always done it this way. We're going to be successful doing it this way. They're not on the forefront looking ahead with that childlike wonder of what's coming in the future, right? The best analogy for this was if you look at Star Trek from the 60s, right? The original Captain Kirk Star Trek. He had a flip phone. It was called a communicator, right? And he would flip it open and it made that little noise and then he would speak into it. Beam me up, Scotty, whatever he said. Eventually, we had a flip phone that looked just like it. Fast forward to the eighties, late eighties, early nineties, actually most of the nineties, Star Trek the next generation. They walked around, and for those of you that are not on the video here, they walked around with one of these. I'm showing Ben an iPad. An iPad. <laughs> and they held it in their hand and they beep, 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 beeped on it, and things happened, and we were like, Yeah, that's like science fiction. This is the nineties. You and I are grew up in the nineties, Ben. I was born in eighty-one. Mm-hmm. Right? And we thought that was, just, yeah, like you're going to be able to walk in a house and lights come on and you're going to be able to say, give me Earl Grey tea and it makes Earl Grey tea. Well, guess what? Alexa does that now. iPads do that now. <laughs> so it became reality. <laughs> so people saw these things and you got to think from when they were, people our age were part of the development of this technology, Ben, that exists now but didn't mm-hmm. exist. Do you think... They were disruptors, or do you think they were happy with the status quo?
0: Disrupting.
1: Of course. I think at this point, we have so much time, so much energy, so much extra time and extra energy since we're not doing what we normally do to focus on our industry, to focus on ways of doing things that might not be super different but are more efficient and more productive. Well, there's a
0: a, uh, quote out there. I'm trying to remember the quote, but it's essentially the the concept is like, hey, every idea or everything is new until somebody does it, right? And everything seems crazy until somebody else does it first or everybody seems undoable until somebody does it, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like a lot of these things that we look at that we think, well, that's crazy. And, And then you're like, well, I had that idea. It's like, well, yeah, but they did it, right? So I think these crazy ideas that you have for disruption or for marketing your business or yourself, probably aren't as crazy as you think they're they're To that point, they're a disruption. They're just something new. That's going to get you noticed. We talked about with your personality, right? How it's like you you do things a little differently and you get noticed, right? Like doing things differently, disrupting, doing the things that might look a little crazy because what, what do they say? It's like, uh, it, 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 you know, being crazy is on borderline with being, uh, what's the term? It's a very blurred term you're shrugging at me, but no, it's, ah, it's a good line too. And I'm forgetting it, but essentially it's being motivated and crazy. is a very much a blurred line with someone who's being seen as, you know, a maverick or something. Right. So I think people who are do well are people who are thinking outside of the box. So thinking outside of the box isn't just something I think that needs to be done now. And I was kind of thinking about this with Penn capital, even it's like, and why I was even on that call last week, like we've been disrupting the financial industry as long as we've been around for eight to nine years with all the amount of video production that we do, a dividend-based approach, a team-based approach, a truly team-based approach, not one that's just done with lip service, but one that's done through pulling in other advisors into our meetings, right? It's like that type of stuff is disrupting an industry uh, and it's getting noticed, and it's been evident in our new assets. But I think the other part that I was going to say is sometimes disruption takes a long time to see the fruits of your labor. I think capital's was around eight years. We didn't see massive asset growth, but for the latter half of that, right? So it took four years of doing things differently to see true growth. And even with what Stephen and I were talking about yesterday, is it, it? I mean, what we're doing now in COVID. We might not see the immediate results of that, but it it could, it might not be till 2021 that we see the results of some of the actions that we're doing right now in COVID. But I think myself as an example is if I continue to stick to the process and I continue to get on social media and and use these different avenues of marketing and capital myself to prospective clients, that those people are gonna remember that and they're gonna see and and, and remember it when the time comes and they need our help with, oh yeah, 10 Capital said they could help me with my old 401k and that was on that Facebook post and they do that video about it. That's right. I'm going to reach out to them. Right. And that might be a year or two or three or five from now. I don't know. But when you permeate or when you basically can get out there and, and set yourself as a disruptor, people are going to remember it. And you don't know when they're going to remember it, but they're going to remember it and they're going to come around in time and they're going to need your services and you're going to have more business than you know what to do with.
1: I think often when we talk disruptors, people get focused on technology and that's usually a big part of it, right? So the one I'd like to focus on and just to give an example, we've talked about Netflix before and Blockbuster, but Kodak, who have been in Chapter 11 multiple times, let me just check if they're even still a company. So yeah, they are. They're now Eastman Kodak Company. They're trading currently uh, a couple bucks a share. They, back in the day, were like the gold standard of cameras, right? Did you know, Ben, that Kodak actually invented the digital camera? Yeah, we talked about that before. We did. Yeah. So. Yeah, we talked know? about it on the podcast, but oh, I didn't think we talk, talk about, about that. losing your shorts. Yeah. So they invented the digital camera. They decided that they were going to suppress that technology. So you file a patent, you have it for ten years before other people can use it. Essentially, right? suppress the technology because mm-hmm. most of the revenue came from film sales. So then in 10 years' time, mm-hmm. the technology is patented. They lose their arse because everybody, Fuji, uh, Minolta, uh, I'm trying to think of some other Samsung, like they're all making digital cameras and putting them out there, right? So what happened was the revenue from, and you could say it's smart, royalties. it's stupid, the revenue from film sales shot down, but the revenue from royalty shot up. getting royalties from this technology developed so they survive for another 10 years or so and then all of a sudden digital cameras aren't needed because (laughs) a cell phone comes around and they plummet again
0: well not just that but their patent expired yeah so So they no
1: longer own the rights to the patent
0: and they didn't produce video cameras or have a corner on the market so everybody else did and their royalties went away and so did kodak
1: so rather than being a disruptor and saying okay I'm willing to lose money here to make money down the road because, yeah, you know, this is almost identical to the Netflix and Blockbuster story. No, we make too much money on late fees, so we're not going to do a subscription model where there's no late fees. (laughs) Well, Mm no, you're doing this. Come on. What's the quote? There's a quote, and I want to say... We We can't remember quotes today. No, I, I remember the quote. I just can't remember who said it. But basically, it was um, change hurts, but it doesn't hurt as much as irrelevance. True. (laughs) So if you're not willing to adapt. It's a good quote. that's That's kind of what I wanted to focus on right now. And this is me going back to the piss and vinegar. If you're not adapting. You've
0: always been in piss and vinegar.
1: If you're not looking at ways to do things differently right now, you're going to get left behind. You're going to come out of covid and look at it as two or three months lost as opposed to two or three months that you were able to focus on something. What are you showing me there, Ben? Is that your, your leadership course thing? Oh God. Your book. book. Yeah, get that out of my sight. Um, <laughs> if you're not focused, if you're not looking right, and I would say this, you know, and anybody that's ever listened to us knows, I am a massive, massive fan of education. I'm an even bigger fan of non-traditional education. I love how focused you are right now, Ben, showing me books instead of listening to what I'm saying. But I'm a massive- What are you talking about? This is bad English, but I'm a massive fan. I'm a a huge fan of non-traditional education. And we have an abundance of it just now where people are making it available for free. You You don't need to like the people that are putting it out, but you can certainly listen, watch, and take notes from it. So whether it be a Tim Ferriss, Ben just showed me the four hour work week book, Gary Vaynerchuk, mm-hmm. Simon Sinek, Malcolm Gladwell, you know, Mel Robbins, Tony Robbins, all of these people. Want to learn how to invest? Yeah. All of these people have people put content, it out there. free content. You have Amazon. You can buy a book. You can get an audio book. There's so many ways to learn and grow right now. There's so many ways to adapt. If you've always wanted to be a real realtor, you can study for your test now, you know, there's, there's different things you can do and come out of this bigger, better, stronger, faster. Whatever your goal is, you want to you want to know how to invest in the stock market. I bet that's the number one question Ben gets from people that have never done it. I just well, how do you invest in the stock market? How do I do that? Um, yeah. Or well, well, a lot of people don't understand it. Well, I usually don't have time to look at my business processes and see what can be better or more efficient. I'm going to take the time to do it just now because I'm shut, right? So that, yeah. my point is, don't be a fucking loser. Don't come out of this with three months <laughs> loss. Come out of this with something gained. Come out of this with a fresh perspective, new motivation, a different way of looking at things. Be better.
0: Well, if nothing else, take it as a time to hone your business. I mean, you don't have to go out and necessarily be the, most big, the biggest disruptor, but there are certainly areas in your business that are deficient, right? and we talked about it with our own. It's like, we got to align client portfolios. We got to make sure our CRM is up to date. Like take the time to do a little cleaning of house so that when you come back, your processes are more efficient, which gives you the ability to focus on production and the things that are going to increase your revenues or happiness in life, right? Yeah. Like take the time to get your tour list done.
1: Yeah. And I've said that this wasn't going to be preachy. I guess it is preachy a little bit, but it's only preachy to people that aren't interested in being better. To anybody else, it's a way to look at things and go, yeah, I'm gonna come out of this in a different spot. I'm gonna come out of this ahead of where I yeah. would because you think about it. If before COVID happened, if I said, how would you like to press pause on your life for three months and then in three months' time wonder what the hell you just did for the last three months, you would say, no, I don't want that. I always want to be grown. I always want to be better. Even the biggest loser on earth doesn't want to be in the same place in three months time as they are now. And that's where a lot of people are going to come out of this. They're going to they're gonna reopen, get back to what they call normal, and then this three months will forever be three months. It was just a dead three months. And they didn't gain anything, they didn't grow, they you know, there was no giving, there was no learning, there was no fitness, you know, and, and to be fair, I've seen a lot more fitness now. I'm seeing people that have never ran before in their life run by my house right now. And it's good. <laughs> so I do think a lot of people are taking stock and should come out of this better. But I also think a lot of people are missing opportunity after opportunity. Yeah.
0: I wanted to share, I saw a post this morning from a local business guy, Kevin Parker. Mm -hmm. Did you see his post this morning? Did not. And he had a great quote. I should almost read it. Sometimes you have to disrupt what's good to be able to move on to what's great. Right? And he was talking about how he'd spent 15 years since they left Bend, Oregon and sold his business there to found, well not found, but start the Dutch Bros franchises in yeah. Spokane, right? And then it's been one of the best, basically, things that they've done. And so I think, even though you might think you're in a good spot, and this is for me and Steven too, right? It's like, you get comfortable, and sometimes you need to disrupt your comfort even. So disruption doesn't necessarily mean just within an industry, it can mean disruption within your own daily life, right? Disrupting and changing up how you do things, like he did. I mean, he obviously didn't went massive and and had a good thing going. Built a dream home, they said in Oregon. So sold all that, left all that a great life by most people's opinions. But what, what he saw is good, a really good life to come start something over here that had not been done. That most people thought was crazy to do, uh, and create something that's really become great and a great team. And that I know and people love working for them. He's seen as a as a leader basically in the community and teaches freaking leadership classes at almost every college in Spokane, it seems like (laughs) as well too. So, I mean, I love that quote though, the idea. Sometimes you need to like disrupt what's good to get to great.
1: What a concept. Took a risk, right? No risk, no reward. Yeah. If you're not, if you're not uncomfortable when you're comfortable, you're done. That's how I look at it. You should be uncomfortable when you're comfortable, but you should be as uncomfortable when you're outside your comfort zone and I just feel like the, the day that I wake up and go I don't feel like doing anything today and I'm not talking in a metaphorical sense where you're tired and it's a Sunday and the weather's shitty outside in the middle of winter so you put the TV yeah. up and watch TV for a day I'm not talking about that I'm talking about the day that I don't have the urge to be better than I was a week ago a month ago to keep growing to adapt to just grow that's when I'm like all right time to go time to get out of here um, go, and I don't mean die. I mean, go somewhere different, find a new challenge. And, you know, that's, that's, n- I never want to be there and you've you got to be willing to take a risk because. I'll but also say, I feel like some people don't do that, Stephen, and they would tell
0: you, well, cause I'm stuck where I'm, I have got, I've got a wife and kids and I've got family here and you don't realize what that's like, Stephen. And okay, fine. Validity to that, to some degree, but that doesn't mean that you can't go find a new job or that you can't move in the city to a different house, or that you can't just try, I mean, take pick up a hobby, right? Disruption, I, I, I don't want people to think it has to be this massive change, right? It's like disruption can be small. It, it can start small and it can grow bigger. It can always be small.
1: Incremental. But it's just,
0: yeah, it's just doing things differently than they've been done before. And that doesn't mean moving from Bend Oregon and selling your business and starting Dutch browsers, right? I mean, it could mean that you want to learn to make coffee.
1: Yeah. So here's, here's my rebuttal to that as well. And I, I, I don't...
0: You always I don't, have rebuttal.
1: Yeah, I don't try to be argumentative, but here's what I would say to that. And this is why those excuses are horseshit, in my opinion, right? 50 years ago, everything had to happen at a certain time, at a certain place, with a certain person, right? Now, you can use disruptors to be disruptive. And, and here's the point. Everything is on demand now you want to watch a documentary, you can go to Amazon Prime or Netflix or Hulu or whatever, watch it on demand. You can pull up YouTube. You can watch something that was on TV five years ago. You can watch lectures, TED Talks. You can do it in your car while you're driving. You can do it while you're walking the dog. You can do it while you're frigging changing your kid's diapers. so do not use excuse of wife, kids, busy, of not being able to do shit, because part of the this disruptive, disruption conversation is that our entire life is on demand now. If I want a fucking sandwich, I use this little device here to get a sandwich here in 10 minutes from Jimmy John's. If I want to learn about scuba diving, I can learn a million things about scuba diving using this device I'm talking to you on, right? And I can do it while Mm -hmm. I'm sitting on the toilet taking a shit. I can do it while I'm driving in the car. I can do it while I'm walking the dog. There is no excuse. So yeah, 50 years ago, some of those excuses you just gave me may have been valid because you have to schedule out around someone else. Now that is not valid in any way, shape, or form, in my opinion. So don't use people, don't use circumstances, don't use any kind of outside factors and excuse. Unless you're deaf, dumb, blind, no arms, no legs, you have no excuse. Period.
0: Oh my gosh. kiss and vinegar.
1: Yep. I'll give you guys more grace
0: than that because <laughs> i realize life sometimes is out of your control
1: <laughs> you still take time to shit and you still take time to walk and drive you can still learn or do something in those things do not use those as an excuse sorry ben
0: these freaking scottish guys bunch of dicks
1: we should probably start wrapping up i actually quite enjoyed this conversation today i have another call that's here because you talked minutes. most of the time yeah like, that's bullshit you talked a lot as well <laughs> uh,
0: Stephen you enjoy the ones where you talk the most I've noticed
1: anyway Ben tell us what, say about you know what people should do
0: disrupt and they're going to disrupt by going and liking us and reviewing us and sharing our podcast with other friends who need to hear the words of wisdom from our interviews mostly not from us actually from the people who <laughs> <that> we interview <laughs>
1: i think we but
0: care seriously so much. guys get on facebook get on instagram like us review us please i mean we are on almost every podcast platform out there so people have asked how do you listen to a podcast you get on your iphone go to the podcast app search ordinary extraordinary get on google play pandora what do, i mean we're on like everything right even at this
1: point yeah the only thing we're not on is youtube but we're going to change that i've been experimenting with a little toy so look I'm oh gonna show you
0: is that what you call it a little toy
1: you have one of these now as well that we're going to use. So your phone goes on the bottom bit and there's a little light. So there'll be one of them on the TV every time. How cool is that?
0: I just saw it. I just saw those. Those are funny. but
1: Yeah, that's cool, right?
0: Oh, geez. That is cool. That good is way cool. to do a video. Boom. I like it. Well, yeah. thank you guys for listening today.
1: Yeah. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you. Until the next time, be good to each other.
2: Just climbing this rope right here